You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by The Hartford. and welcome to Small Biz Ahead, the small business podcast presented by The Hartford. This is John Adaconis, and I'm joined with my trusty co-host, Gene Marks. Gene, how are you doing? I am doing fine today, John. How are you? Good, thanks. Nice to nice to see you again. We are doing this via Teams for those in the audio sphere, so we can actually we'll see get back together. We'll get back together face-to-face, won't we? One day. <laughs> yeah, one day, we hope. And we are joined by a special guest today, Travis from Swift Filings. Uh, Travis, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And we are here today to talk about everyone's most exciting topic, how to form a corporation and what that really means. <laughs> or I guess I shouldn't even say a corporation, how to file for the right kind of business license for the entity that you are looking to operate. Yeah, that, that's right, John. And, and you've kind of hit on a sore point with our internal marketing team, because what I like mm-hmm. to say sometimes is we take care of all non-sexy stuff right? The, the paperwork and compliance um, so that entrepreneurs can follow their passions, right? But let us handle the, the boring paperwork. And uh, so sometimes the marketing team gets mad at me when I say it's all about the non-sexy stuff, but uh, it's important. It, although it, it's not the most, it's not the top of mind on entrepreneurs when they start a business, it is important to, to get it done and to get it done right. I think Gene and I can relate being on the insurance and the CRM side, we will take care of the stuff you don't want to. So you can focus on the stuff that actually made you think I should be in business in the first place. I agree. And Travis, if you can see, I'm, if you haven't figured it out by looking at me on this, on this, you know, on this conversation, I'm a CPA, right? So it should be no surprise. So yeah, we're all, we're all boring and unexcited, but let's make this exciting for our audience because right? it's a really important topic. That is true. So, yeah. Yeah. so Travis, maybe you can talk to us a little bit. So kind of like in that bucket of like the unsexy stuff, what does uh, Swift Filings actually do? Sure. So we do uh, online corporation service, an LLC, a corporation or a nonprofit, S Corp, C Corps. We'll, we'll talk about all of those things here in the, in, over the next few minutes. Uh, but we make it really simple so that you go through our system, answer a few questions. If I've done my job right, you're a CPA. Gene, I'm, I'm a lawyer, but I've tried to make it super easy and super uh, understandable to everybody by asking the right questions so that we can get the information, get your paperwork done, and then just do the ongoing compliance, annual reports, registered agent, things like that that are just uh, kind of checking the box and, and necessary things to not only help you start your business, but also keep it in compliance and then grow it from there. Nice. And I guess so if if I'm someone thinking about starting a business or starting a new business or I mean, I guess even, you know, formally kind of, you know, filing for for that, that right. You know, what are some of the things that I might want to think about before kind of contacting you or is it really call us and we're going to work through that process with you? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, the the website has a lot of informational article. Usually first, should I incorporate? And if so, if so, why? You know, why go through this headache and why go through this administrative burden? Um, Now, I'm sure accountants have a different answer, but from the lawyer's perspective, um, you know, our number one concern um, as a lawyer is that you protect your assets um, so that if something bad were to happen, when I say that, it doesn't mean that it's your fault necessarily, but, you you know, you're delivering cupcakes and your cupcake delivery driver crashes into somebody uh, on just just an accident. Nobody's intentionally doing anything wrong. Um, You're not going to lose your personal assets. If there's a lawsuit or a creditor comes after you, they can go after the assets of the company, but you can protect your personal assets by having formed a corporation as opposed to just operating as what's called a sole proprietor. That's somebody doing business um, that has not gone through the formal incorporation process. Gotcha. And 
I guess thinking about that a little bit, when you, we think about, you know, kind of the legality of filing and when we think about what kind of business we might be, you know, what I always have kind of been fascinated by is where your business is, you know, established versus where you might operate. Is that something you you kind of help people think through? And is there a world where they might think about, you know, having a business based in Nevada, but maybe having operations or, or staff based in kind of like Washington? You bet. And there's, let me, let me, Go back a step back for a second. For ninety-five to ninety-nine percent of the businesses out there, um, usually you want to incorporate where you're located. Um, so if you're in Texas, you can file with the Texas Secretary of State. Otherwise, if you if I'm in Texas, so Swift Filings, that's our headquarters, is in Texas, and, and we form a Delaware LLC. Now I've got two administrative things I've got to keep up with. I've got to do a state tax return in Delaware. Um, and so it does add some complexity. So then the question is, well, why do people do that then? A lot of people choose to file the gold file there um, because investors are very familiar with Delaware C-Corps. And so um, if you're seeking investment, if it is, I've got to raise money from venture capitalists or somewhere else or I'm done, then yeah, maybe a Delaware C-Corp makes sense because those types of investors are very familiar with Delaware C-Corps and, and are are very happy to engage in those, whereas they may not be used to investing in a Rhode Island LLC. It does not mean you can't get that investment if your business is right. It just it just gives a little a comfort level. The other reason people sometimes incorporate out of out of state has to deal with disclosures and privacy. Um, there are certain states that require you to, to disclose um, more about your business, and they make it available online. Again, in Texas, you have to put a principal business address, and it's freely searchable uh, online. Um, and so there are other states that don't necessarily require that. And, and it also has to do with disclosure of the owners of the company. Um, so, the, you know, Wyoming, Nevada, uh, and Delaware are kind of three states that that uh, don't have as much disclosures as, as many of the other states and, and therefore are also popular for that reason. Gotcha. Now, I'm assuming that also is kind of impacted by the type of business that you are, right, to your point. So uh, could you give us a rundown on like the different types of formations there could be and and what those entities kind of mean for our folks that are listening? Sure. So it it really breaks down into uh, three. I'll focus on the for-profit sector rather than nonprofits. But when you're talking about for-profit businesses, um, the the most common um, is the, the limited liability company, the LLC. Uh, the LLC uh, is the most common and popular because it's the easiest to manage and it's the easiest to stay in compliance with. Um, the next one after that is referred to as S Corp, uh, which is a technically uh, not to get too far into the weeds, but it's somewhat of a misnomer because um, you're still a corporation at the state level. An S Corp designation is an IRS designation that you make. Um, sometimes at the states, states offer S-Corp designations as well, but an S-Corp is an IRS designation you make that relates to taxes. Um, and so each one of those has their pluses and minuses and happy to go through those pluses and minuses uh, one at a time if, if you'd like to. Yeah, I think that'd be great. So let's start with the the LLC. Uh, again, it requires the least amount of administrative paperwork. The, you know, there's there's not required to be annual shareholder meetings with a bunch of notices going out. Um, and so that is the most common that is used by small businesses. In addition to the simplicity aspect, um, it is what uh, it's treated for tax purposes as a pass through entity. And, and what that means is if the company has profits at the end of the day of a million dollars, let's say, 
as a pass-through entity, that million dollars just gets passed through to the owners. So if you had one owner, all of that million dollars of profits gets passed down to that owner, and then that owner is taxed at their at their um, regular federal income tax rate. So at that amount, that's on the higher end of the scale. So it would be roughly 7% uh, on a good chunk of that money. When you don't have that pass-through treatment, um, which is what would happen for a C-Corp, what's going to happen is on that million dollars of profit, the corporation is going to have to pay taxes on that first. Uh, and that's roughly 20, 20 22% around there. Um, but for, for the ease of the math here, let's just say it's 20%. So the company would pay the federal government 20% of that million dollars. So $200,000 is, is out the door. Now there's only 800,000 to pass down to the owner. That owner is is again paying eight hundred thousand uh, dollars taxes on that, um, and so they're that's what's called the double taxation issue, um, and so there's uh, you're paying more in taxes because the corporation pays a tax first, then it's getting passed down to the owners after that tax is paid, and the individual owners are still paying taxes on it. Um, so the LLCs are very popular when it comes to the simplicity and the pass through treatment for tax purposes. Now there are some limits to the LLC and some, you know, some cons related to that. Um, you know, we talked about if if you are, you know, if you're the next tech unicorn, Silicon Valley, you need ten million dollars or you're not going to be in existence. There are limits on who can be shareholders in LLCs. Uh, again, the the conventional wisdom is that if you're if you're seeking venture capital money or private equity money, they're more comfortable. Uh, investing in a Delaware C Corp, even though there is that that uh, that taxation. Um, but if you're if that's not you, uh, then the conventional wisdom is that you would stick with uh, that LLC um, because otherwise, uh, you know, you're putting up with the extra headaches and you're paying more on the taxes. On the C Corp side, uh, again, conventional wisdom and you know everybody's situation is a little bit different. Is that you would. Uh, Form a C corp if you're seeking that venture capital money and trying to do it. It's most of the publicly traded companies that we're all familiar with are all C corps. Um, it doesn't have limits on the number of shareholders. Um, it doesn't have limits on the types of shareholders. So it's easier to sell stock in a C corp. So if you're going to have hundreds of investors, then you might want to be a C corp. It's easier to do different types of stock. So. You know, if, if you're familiar with the Facebook story, for example, there's different classes of stock that have, hold more voting power. So that's how Mark Zuckerberg stays in in control um, because he has all of the voting power. And so you can do all of that um, uh, through a little bit easier through a C corp. So if, if that's the route that you're going, you might want to file that. Now the last one is an S corp, and again, it's a little bit of a misnomer because. You know, at the state level, you're filing for a corporation, but then you make a designation with the IRS to be treated as an S corp. And what that means is you will receive the benefit of the pass through taxation that we, we talked about. By filing that, the IRS treats you as a pass through entity. They treat you the same as they would an LLC. And so you get the benefit of avoiding that double taxation. So it's a very common tactic for corporations to file. An S corp designation. Now, again, there are some uh, who's eligible to shareholders. For example, um, you have to be the shareholders have to be U.S. citizens, and they can't be trusts or other subsidiary company uh, companies. 
that dual class of stock issue that I talked about, you can't do that if you're filing an S-Corp. So there are limits to it, even though there's a tremendous amount of tax benefits. And and I'll tell you this, John, the Swift Filings, the company that, I, that I'm working for now, we don't, we don't provide legal advice. We're a, on, an online filing system to help you make it easy. When you call our team, you don't talk to lawyers. And so uh, even though I'm, I'm saying that as, as a recovering practicing lawyer, you know, all I really cared about when my clients would come to my law office would be that they file and they get that asset protection. And what I would say when they started asking which type of entity makes the most sense for me, it's usually, quite frankly, go talk to your accountant, go hug an accountant, take an accountant out to lunch, uh, pick their brain a little bit, because it's really an accounting and tax issue more than it is a, a legal issue. Uh, and at Swift Filings, we have tons of information about it. Uh, we have to determine what's right for you. Um, regardless of which one you pick, we can help you get it filed and, and stay in compliance. But a lot of times it's, it's more of a tax issue than it is a, a legal issue. Awesome. I think that's a lot of good insight because I don't think a lot of people know what they don't know when they're first starting to think through this. So I appreciate that color. Gene, kind of curious on your perspective because you are a registered business entity. Um, yeah. How does this kind of tie into to how you think about your business? It, it, it ties in a lot. So first of all, Travis, you have given a complete explanation as to uh, why we should definitely reach out to Swift and our accountants and our lawyers, because this is like complex stuff <laughs> and it's very dry and is there, and yet it's like absolutely critical. So um, this information that you're providing is really well. And I, I, have, I have some specific questions for you. A lot of thought has to go into choosing a business entity. Now we, I chose, um, I'm an S corporation. So that's like you said before, I'm a, I'm a you know, that, that's for tax filing purposes. And I'm also a, a PC right? Like, you know, like a professional corporation. Can you talk a little bit about what, what that means and what that is? You bet. So uh, PCs really are applicable to licensed professionals. So right. you'll see a lot of law firms would see it's comma PC. Um, and so that is a particular type of entity where if you are required to have a professional license, it's, it's an opportunity that's available for you to file as a PC. It doesn't apply in, in every single state. So each state has slightly different variances on, on what the PC rules are. Um, but for, and, and Gene, sorry, I'm just more familiar with law firms uh, than I am accountants and accounting firms, okay. but a law firm can be uh, an LLC, it can be an LP, it can be an LLP, limited sure. partnership or limited liability partnership. Sorry to, to use the, the acronyms there, but it is just an, another opportunity. And a lot of times when you file for those types, the, the professional corporation, the PC, um, you do have to submit proof of your professional status, either a bar license or a CPA license um, in order to obtain those. It's so complicated, Travis, you know, like, like you mentioned about being tax, you know, tax driven. So if you, if you file your, if you set yourself up as a C corporation then you're a separate entity, but then if you're an S corporation, you're a pass through entity, um, all these other, you know, names of, of corporations, you know, LLPs, limited partnerships, limited liability companies, professional corporations like mine, they're all pass throughs, all of these as well. So like, is why, why are the business owners, why do they care? Is this more, you know, is this more important for a, li for a liability perspective um, than a tax perspective? Um, or is it the other way around? You know, like, what do you think is the, the main driving reason that we should be paying such attention to the type of organization that we form? 
I, I'm going to say it's the other way around, uh, meaning right. that it's again, it's more of a tax issue than it is a liability issue. As as the lawyer in in the room, I again, I want your assets protected, and any type of entity you choose, except for a general partnership, which is basically an unregistered partnership. Uh, mm-hmm. Any type of entity that you choose and officially file with the state is going to give you that asset protection. Now, why do people do limited partnerships or limited liability partnerships, things like that? I, again, I'll use Texas as an example because it's what I'm, I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten years ago in Texas, limited partnerships didn't have to file franchise taxes. Well, the, the legislature is uh, like Texas, like many other states, is, is searching for money. And so they have changed that. But it was very common uh, 10 plus years ago in Texas that everybody would form LLP liabilities or limited partnerships to avoid franchise taxes that were applicable to LLCs, limited liability companies and corporations. Um, so that's now gone away in Texas. Um, and so that's not a big motivator anymore in um, here where we're based. But what I would tell you, lawyers and accountants, we got to eat, right? I, I don't <laughs> like to eat lunch by myself. Uh, I love breakfast too, my favorite meal of the day. Most lawyers and most accountants would be happy to to talk with you over lunch or breakfast uh, because we're not making money on on helping you make that decision. We want that longer term relationship to be your advisor. And I almost feel like there should be arms of an angel in the background of, of and and dogs with sad faces. Like take a lawyer to lunch, right? The poor guys are all by themselves, uh, lonely people, uh, but they'll be happy usually to sit down with you and kind of go over some of these options. Got it. Uh, and then. And then advise you along the way. Talk to me about changing. Um, if we, you know, say I messed up and and I chose, I mean, it's, you know, when you're forming a business, there's a lot of things going on. And sometimes people make the mistake they've chosen the wrong entity for themselves for whatever reasons. How how difficult is it to change from a, you know, from, you know, to from an LLC to an LLP or, you know, from, uh, you know, an S corporation to a partnership? Like what, what's involved? Yeah, it's it's really not that bad, um, and it's it's one of those things where yes, if if you can get it right at the beginning, get it right at the beginning, but you'll be able to to fix it. Um, and this is I do a lot of startup work here in the Houston, Texas area where I'm from, and I've talked to folks. You know, this gets back to that Delaware C Corp. Oh, I got to be a Delaware C Corp. I got to be mm-hmm. a Delaware C. And I usually tell them just do a Texas LLC. You know, if your idea is good enough, you will get that investment. No venture capital or investor has ever turned down a great idea because, oh, you're an LLC and not a Delaware C-Corp. And if necessary, at the time you're raising the money, you know, two or three years down the road, you can always convert from an LLC to a Delaware C-Corp to a Texas Corp. And so you can always do that. Paperwork side, again, it's not that complicated. It's called a conversion if you're from switching from one entity to another entity in a state, reforming as a Delaware C-Corp. Again, it's not that complicated on the paperwork side. There is sometimes some tax issues involved. Um, And again, so I would advise talking to uh, an accountant, somebody smarter than me, just to make sure you're not falling into some tax traps that happen when you switch those types of entities. Uh, But it's certainly, you're not forever stuck with a scarlet LLC across your head if that's the route you went to to keep it simple at the beginning. Good. Um, You mentioned locations. I mean, you're setting up as a Delaware C-Corp or as a Texas LLP. 
does it matter where you're located? I mean, can you, I'm in Pennsylvania. Can I, you know, if I started up a business, could I derive a permission to start up my business as an Arizona company or a Delaware company? I mean, just by opening up a PO box there and that's it. Yeah. In, in, in most states, yes, you can, you can form an entity. Uh, some states require you to have a, a physical address and uh, some states don't, but right. you know, swift filings has always been based in, uh, Texas, but we're actually a Delaware LLC, and we have a an office arrangement there, so that we have a physical presence um, there. But yes, you can definitely start in any state you want, and that gets back to you know, are there some privacy issues um, related there as far as what's disclosed and what's not? Are there you know, are you are you seeking investment? Again, people are just more familiar with the Delaware C Corp than they are uh, you know. Once you start getting into states like Rhode Island or, um, you know, some of the smaller ones, Montana, that has this lower populations to just, you know, if you can, if you can get rid of the unfamiliarity issue from investors, it may be worth it. Uh, but for, you know, Main Street businesses, the mom and pop small business of the world usually doesn't make that much sense. Got it. Travis, I, um, so when I started up my company back in 1994, if you were to like, look up my filings, I, I filed my company by the name of the the Marks Professional Group, but I never go by that. I just call, you know, I, everything I do is the Marks Group. Um, I mean, I, you know, my, my tax returns say the Marks Professional Group, but, you know, my website, my branding, my, you know, everything else is, is the Marks Group. Should I like do a, a DBA, a doing business as, does that really matter, you know, for me or for any business? Like, what's the purpose of a DBA? Yeah, it does. It can matter, uh, Gene. And and it, it, the reason it can matter, it also depends on how you're doing your contracts. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the benefits to filing a DBA is that, you know, at the state level, um, the secretary of state may reject your name avail availability, the name that you want, because it's too familiar to some other companies. And so you could do you could file with the state of Texas again, Acme LLC. And they're not going to let you do that, but you really love the name Acme. So you just do ABC LLC, and then you operate to the public as Acme. Well, uh, if you enter into contracts as Acme, there are some courts. It's not a. It's it's you know it's not like oh you're sunk. It's 100% you're going to lose. Um, hmm. But there are some courts in some situations where, because you're using a name that is not your real name. They may not enforce that contract. They may not give you that personal asset protection that we're talking about, that the lawyers care uh, a lot about. Um, and so the easiest way to make sure of that is to file for a DBA. And if you do that, um, then the, the law gives you more protection so that if you're contracting with uh, the Marks Group, I think you said, if, if you're contracting with them and you're dealing with them, the courts look at that and say, you, you, are, you customer a person on the other end of that contract weren't deceived. You knew you were dealing with the business. They had a properly filed DBA at the county oh, level. God. Um, okay. And so therefore, there's no worries. And again, I don't mean to freak you out, Gene. Like, yeah, you're uh, freaking me out, Travis. You're freaking me out. So what, what do I got to do? Like two to two percent to one percent chances of of like that might be an issue somewhere down the road. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, a big driver as to why people do DBAs. You know, when the lawyer comes in and, and advises it, the other idea is just branding. It just it just helps solidify the brand and it it can keep people at uh, at the different county levels 
um, okay. from using the same name as you. And then there's a common law trademark issue as well. It's just proof that you started using a certain business name at a certain time, um, which can establish a common law right to that name. Got it. Got it. You know, it's you, you know, there was I remember like a doctor telling me I had a two percent chance of losing my hair when I got older. So <laughs> it, this is serious. So I just very quickly, like, how do I file a DBA? Like, you know, like you know, I, you you if, if somebody is hearing this like me and being like, oh geez, I should do this. You know, if we were to reach out to Swift, you guys take care of those files. Is it, is that a complicated process or is that a fairly quick thing? Uh, both. Uh, we can certainly handle it for you. Um, we do it in I think there's over two thousand counties. Uh, in the United States, and we do we do them all for you. Um, right. But the the other issue, if you if you want to DIY, just call your county clerk um, and mm -hmm. ask them what the process is. They they'll have information on the county clerk website. Um, you may be able to do it yourself online. Um, so okay. the answer to that question is both. Okay, fair enough. All right, we're almost out of time. Um, I just just one more question, you know, before we leave you go. And John, I don't know if you have anything final, but just you know, um, you've talked about all these different entities, partnerships, C corps, LLCs, you know, you know, you know, S corps. Generally, what do you find to be the most popular for a typical small business? You know, I my rule of thumb is that very very few small businesses actually file as C corporations. There's some sort of pass through. Um, so what, what are you saying? Yeah. I, the last time I looked at it was 85% of our businesses and, and we've done 300,000 historically have been LLCs. And again, we're, LLC. we're servicing largely main street, right? We're, so we're right. servicing the, uh, the cupcake shop, the landscaping business, the consulting firm that's, that's just opened up. Um, and it's for all the reasons we talked to the tax benefit, the simplicity of it. The LLC is 100% the most common one. Got it. All right. That's great. All right. Well, listen, Travis, this was great. John, anything else? You want to wrap this up? My mind is kind of spinning right now on a whole bunch yeah. of different ideas and things. But no, I think that was great information. And I think, you know, a good kind of 101 to think about how to maybe form your next business or your first one, if you're listening to kind of get more information on that. And, you know, really appreciate your expertise, Travis, as, you know, our listeners kind of think through that. No, it's been my pleasure. And uh, I hope we didn't make it uh, so sad. The, the listeners are still with us, but it, it is important. And there's a, a lot of good information out there to, to read up on it uh, on your own. You know, sometimes it's better to, with charts and graphs, and those are all available on the swiftfilings.com website. Awesome. So thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another episode of Small Biz Ahead, the small business podcast presented by the Hartford. We appreciate your time and attention, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye.